Welcome to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Each week on this program, Jeff and his guests share their expertise, personal anecdotes, and the latest industry news to keep you in the loop. Now to provide you with insight and help you navigate the consistently changing world of real estate lending, here is your host for The Mortgage Voice, Jeff Barton. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Thanks very much for tuning into the show, listening each and every week. We do things here on the show to help you. Now, we're in a transitional time in a lot of different ways, but the mortgage interest rates have remained very low, very long, and very steady. So that part of the equation is is okay and still okay right now. I mean, we may be off a few ticks from what the lowest was, but we're certainly way far away from what the highest has been over the last three or four years. The question always for most of the people who listen to the show is, What's going to happen? Now, I ask my guests who come on the show, and by the way, the guests who come on the show deliver information to you um, about what's going on either in the market, in their business, uh, with their companies, uh, the type of businesses they have to update you and let you know what's going on currently in the market. These are the kind of guests we bring on the show. But to try to give the million-dollar question back to the guests or uh, as I try to figure it out, what are the rates going to do next? What are the options that I'm going to have because I'm not quite ready to buy or I'm not quite ready to refinance? And all of those things are, of course, individual. And what you do to make that decision is based in large part about how much money do you make, what your credit score is, how much money do you have to put down, can you uh, get into a certain type of loan product if, in fact, you have help from a family member? And the answer to all those questions is really yes. All those, that's a yes, 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 yes. You can do all those things. And so then it boils down to what's the rate? Okay, so if the rate is today, at, let's say 3% on a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, and you're trying to figure out in two weeks if that's the best time, if you can get into a house or uh, be able to figure out your finances so that you can refi, what is the next step? Well, obviously, the next step would be to try to find a lender. A lender either is Malibu Funding, the company I work for, the great company I work for, 79620, that's their NMLS number, and they sponsor the show or any number of lenders out there. We never try to promote us over other people, although I do think we do have a great deal to offer. But there are many good lenders out there, many good mortgage brokers, many good mortgage lenders. Even some of the big banks out there are great. Uh, everybody is great at what they do best. And for most people who are shopping for rate, let's talk in state of rate, for instance, most people shopping for rate will go to a mortgage broker. The reason you go to a mortgage broker is they get to shop for you to many lenders out there. Uh, for instance, company I work for, Malibu Funding, as I said, with 40 different lenders on the broker side. So they can shop for you to find the lowest particular rate that you qualify for. And again, the qualifications are what's your credit score, how much money do you make, what's your ability to repay the loan, and what are the terms that you're looking for. These are all things which are concerned around you, the borrower. The lender, they're concerned with, okay, we need to sell this loan to the secondary market so that we can continue to fund loans for other people. Therefore, the rate they offer you 
is something that, one, you have to qualify for, and two, that they can sell on the secondary market to somebody else. That's how the lending business works. So again, back to what is the rate going to be in a couple of weeks? Well, we on the show, we talk about the indicators for you to look at every week, every month, following it so that you begin to see trends in the marketplace. You can begin to get a feel for what's going to happen next. Now, of course, nobody can predict weather events, talking about how weather weather events affect your rate or the availability of funds. And nobody can predict the, you know, political upheavals that occur in the world, which may affect the availability of funds or the uh, risk that that lender is going to take giving you a loan. I, I can't predict all those things because they come up so quickly and because of the way the world is connected directly so that something happening completely on the other side of the earth may affect whether your lender or the lenders or the Fed or all these <laughs> regulatory agencies tighten credit. If they tighten credit because an event happened in China, well, that's going to affect not only the availability of funds, but the risk level that the lender has. They're going to tighten their credit, and therefore, usually, the rate also goes up. All of these things are unpredictable. But there are certain things that you can look to and look at that are predictable. For instance, the 10-year um, yeah, the 10-year bond. These are things that we ask you, tell you, look at the 10-year bond. Now, we have heard, and everybody knows, that the taper, the scaling back of the purchase of mortgage-backed securities and the scaling back of the purchase of treasuries by the Fed has begun. It is $10 billion a month of treasuries less than they were buying last month and $5 billion less of mortgage-backed securities than they were buying last month. And this taper will continue until the Fed is buying nothing and it'll end next June. That's a given. You can track that. And as a result of that, the backing of the artificial low rates is ending. And that you can track. And how do you track it? Watching the 10-year bond. What's the 10-year bond today? 1.439. What does that really mean? It means that if you bought a bond, that's what it would pay you in terms of the interest rate over the term of the bond on a yearly basis. It doesn't tell you what the bond would cost, but it tells you that that particular number. Now, as that number goes up, usually the corresponding rate also goes up, and you can track it. You can look to any number of sites. I can go to uh, Mortgage News Daily. I can go to Housing Wire. I can go to any bank. You know, most stock um, calculators will also calculate the 10-year bond. And you can track it. You can track it for six months. You can track it for a year. You can track it for 10 years. You can track it for days. Yesterday, the day before, three days. As you watch the 10-year bond since COVID, when it was at, I believe the lowest it was, 0.53, it is now 1 point, let's say for all intents and purposes, it's 1.5. It's a little less, but it's been fluctuating between 1.44 and you know, 1.54 for the last week. It fluctuates, but let's say it's 1.5. So it's gone up uh, a point in 18 months. Well, that's 
That's significant. But if we are stopping the backstop by not buying treasuries, the Fed not buying treasuries, and not buying mortgage-backed securities, and the taper ends completely next June, you can guarantee that that 10-year notice, that 10-year bond is going to increase. And therefore, you can also guarantee that the rates are going to go up. These things are known. Why? Because historically, that's what happens. And again, there are a lot of different things that affect risk. And risk is what drives a lot of purchase of U.S. securities, which is the 10-year, the 5-year, the 2-year, the 20-year, the 30-year. The All of these are bonds are basically, it's U.S. debt. And then the U.S. has been selling their debt a lot, especially over the last 10 to 15 years. Selling U.S. debt has become the only way that the U.S., actually the U.S. government, stays in business and operates. Operating at a deficit means that somebody's got to sell the debt to somebody else to help fund what is being paid for today. Now, I'm 100% against selling debt like that because at some point, and this would be true for you if you were running your business, would be true for you if you were running a household. You, at one point, have to pay the piper. Now, of course, economists will tell you none of that matters, that the real issue here is balance of payments and the interest on the debt. All of these things are big boy math. To me, if you spend what you make, you're in good company with most of us who have to do that on a week-to-week -week basis if you're either living paycheck to paycheck or you're trying to figure out your finances so that you one day, yes, can buy a house and look at these indicators and say, now is the time. Anyway, I'm Jeff Barton. I'm your voice in the mortgage industry. Appreciate you listening today. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton. We'll be right back with more in just a moment. For more information on today's topic, email Jeff Barton at info at malibufunding.net. Now, back to The Mortgage Voice with your host, Jeff Barton. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Thanks very much for tuning into the show, for listening each and every week. You know, we're on a number of different radio stations trying to add more, trying to see where we can reach more people. We're at uh, K Tahoe, up in the Tahoe area of California and Nevada. We're certainly down in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I want to say hey to all my friends down there and also in Las Vegas, Nevada. Love Las Vegas. Also in Southern California, in the Inland Empire, the IE, San Bernardino, and Riverside counties, a couple of stations out there. Hello to everybody. Also, we're on a number of different podcasts, and I don't have that list, but Darren, do you have that list? I sure do, Jeff. Great. It's uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Radio.com, YouTube, and... Uh podclips.io okay podclips.io i went there the other day they have a lot of different categories where you can catch some terrific people who are podcasting one place to get a, a lot of different viewpoints in many different areas go there it's a great place as i said i'm on the financial section there's health there's technology there's lifestyle sports all kinds of things that you can get uh, expert opinion on or at least good opinion uh, that you might be able to banter around and enjoy having a discussion as whatever they're talking about also we're on youtube youtube jeff barton the mortgage voice yep we've been there for whew, many 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 shows how many shows have we done on that do you know 
Over 200. Oh, man, over 200, and that's with Daryl. And before that, I think we have some others. So hundreds of shows there. We have some how-to videos as well as every day or at least three or four times a week. We're on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram on the Mortgage Minute, trying to give you a daily of what's happening that particular second. And again, appreciate you all listening. We have some, a couple of great guests today. But I wanted to get into a couple of things going on around the world. But let's get to the rates right now in the news to use section. Thank you very much. The 30-year fixed rate is 3.08%. The 15 years at 2.47, 2.62 for FHA, 3.03 for the jumbo, and 2.75 for the 5-1 arm. As mentioned earlier, 10 years at 1.439, really um, almost 1.45. Uh, the 10 years is a great indicator if you're looking for what's happening in the mortgage market. The 10-year, of course, is on an upward trajectory and will probably remain so, as we had talked about in an earlier section, because of the um, ending of taper probably by next June. So we're going to see that 10-year rise. We're all going to see interest rates rise. We have been talking to a number of people, both at the Fed as well as uh, at Mortgage News Daily. We're looking to see rates rise at least to 4% by the end of next year. This is 22. So that's a year out projection. Now, all things being equal, we are not prognosticators uh, extraordinaire. We're just professionals looking at what other professionals saying and either agreeing or disagreeing. I happen to agree. Reason is, is that nobody's going to want to choke off the recovery as it is. Uh, there are some obvious problems in the world economy uh, that we'll get to shortly. But in the U.S. economy, we see some uh, uh, pretty good numbers in terms of what's happening with COVID. When we see a great deal uh, of more people vaccinated, some of the pills coming out are also going to help getting people back to normal. Travel restrictions uh, internationally have been lifted for many different countries to the U.S., which also helps international travel as well as the hotel business. We see 4.5 million people still out of work, but that's a far cry from the 10 million people we had out of work almost a year, year and a half ago. Uh, all of these things are boding well. Uh, the service industries have made a uh, pretty good uh, comeback last month with over 450,000 new jobs being added to the economy, mostly in the service sector, although there are some construction jobs, tech jobs, and the like. Uh, there are a lot of jobs that have been going unfilled, and uh, one of the... Mm, but one of the uh, paradoxes of this particular recovery is that we have many people out of work who don't want to go back to work. And we have many f jobs that are unfilled. We have more jobs unfilled than people who want to work. Now, there are many easy ways to look at that. And every time we get into an explanation of why it isn't simple, you lose half the audience because there is a political bent in the U.S. to a certain mindset about what work is. For instance, my own little business. I have a, uh, a gentleman who came, asked for a raise. He wanted a salary, blah, 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 blah. Well, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know what? You didn't earn it. You didn't work hard enough. We got to wait longer. And, of course, that was all BS because, of course, we can afford it. Of course, we can pay the guy. Of course, he's worth it. But I think in a broad sense... The American economy is based on a lot of small businesses, just like uh, the company that I work for at Malibu Funding, and they're basically wanting to have you work like a dog for no money until they deign upon themselves to offer you more money. Well, this particular economy and this particular recovery, because of the people who were obviously had lost their jobs, 
They don't look at it that way, and it's, it's better for them or it's more beneficial to wait and try to get a better and higher-paying job, i.e., more people looking, um, more jobs available than people looking for work. And there are still 4.5 million people out of work. So be that as it may, the simple explanation is really people are lazy, they don't want to work, they're getting government handouts. None of that is true, and again, when you explain that to people, you've lost half of them because, again, they want to believe in the old-fashioned pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps mentality, which never really existed. It was a way, uh, like a lot of things <laughs> that are happened in myth world, uh, yeah, John Wayne was this great guy. No, he wasn't, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying there are a lot of things that you look at in the, um, in the world of entertainment, in the world of, I mean, look at this thing with Aaron Rodgers. You see this thing with Aaron Rodgers? It's crazy. He looks like a homeless person now. Well, the whole thing with him and the COVID and, you know, just be honest and come up front. But, you know, people just believe what they want to believe because of the image that's portrayed. Okay. So yeah, he just wordsmithed the whole thing. He just irritates me. Now, I like Aaron Rodgers. I like John Wayne. I like a lot of people who have the images. Why? Because the image is a romantic thing that you want to put your arms around and say, yes, it works. It's like the um, the falling in love myth. The, you know, the whole idea that, you know, life is somehow this thing and once you attain it you are happy for the it no none of that no it's a struggle the whole time and everything is a lot of work and uh, the the gratification and satisfaction of how you live your life is really uh, on a daily experience it's not this thing you achieve and then it's great and most people i know understand that because they're mature and they don't look at uh, uh tv or film or radio, or podcasting, or the internet for some kind of gratification, but there is a grand spance of people, 20% of the people, let's say, who do do that, and they seem to hold sway in many, many aspects of our lives, and how that affects us in the mortgage industry is if we see that somebody at the Fed says, okay, I believe that we need to uh, extend credit more so than taking it away by raising rates, i.e., we need to keep liquid in terms of how we're keeping the economy going. But then somebody else will say, no, the cause of inflation is all the free money, and inflation is what the problem is. So the 20% of the people I'm talking about will get a hold of this inflation idea and think, oh my gosh, the world is ending because i got to pay another 30 cents a gallon in gasoline. Well, rather than seeing it as a short-term issue, and that trusting in the Fed that if it became a long-term issue, that they would raise rates in order to counter that, in order to keep the economy growing and moving in a direction that we need it moved into, we need to continue to keep the economy liquid and flowing. We are slowly cutting back with the taper. Raising interest rates now would be a bad idea. Yes, inflation will be with us a while. By the way, some of the other news to use uh, – the shale business is about ready to start booming again. Now, we all remember a couple of years ago when shale became so productive that the U.S. became a net exporter of oil, i.e., we don't need your oil anymore. That's going to happen again, and I believe not through this winter because most of the oil that's being mined uh, right now is being turned into home heating oil because that's the season it's in. But by next spring, next summer, you're going to see the gasoline prices down too. And that's certainly going to help people feel better about what's happening and the direction of the country. These things are the way it is. And so trust me when I'm telling you, 
Rates are going to rise, but not too bad. Oil is going to be plentiful next spring for gasoline, so the gas prices are going to come down too. And the inflation, as we see it now, will last into the middle of next year in other commodities. We'll get into that in a minute. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton. We'll be right back with more in just a moment. For more information on today's topic, email Jeff Barton at info at malibufunding.net. Now, back to The Mortgage Voice with your host, Jeff Barton. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Thanks very much for listening to the show, listening each and every week. We come to you via radio in five stations in three different states, from Albuquerque all the way up to Las Vegas, into Tahoe, both Nevada and California, as well as Southern California in the Inland Empire, i.e. San Bernardino and Riverside. That's our home base, really. And we really appreciate everybody out there who listens and contributes to the show. We talk about rates. We talk about real estate. We bring people to the show who know way more than I do. And one of these guys is uh, with us today, Darren Woodworth from Malibu Funding. He's up in the Tahoe area. And where else is it, Darren? By the way, hi, how are you? Oh, hey, how you guys doing? I'm actually in San Jose right now, remodeling a condo, getting ready to list and sell. Um, I'm actually in Napa, my hometown, so... Okay, excellent. I'm everywhere. My yeah. zip code's uh, pretty big, pretty large. Okay, yeah. Tell us the area that you cover, because I think a lot of people get confused in that area, uh, especially if they're not from that area. Where Where is it? What, what are the boundaries? So, actually, I live in Napa Valley, um, Vallejo area. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows where Napa is. A lot of people come here from all over the countries. Um, so, my areas are, like, today I'm in San Jose um, doing flooring, getting a house ready because it's needing to be lifted and sold. Um, so I go all the way from San Jose all the way up to Tahoe area, everywhere. Um, Sacramento area, I'm moving him from San Jose, um, cause he can't afford San Jose no more. So I'm going right. to get him all cash up in Sacramento area, which I could get him a two bedroom, one bath condo for 200. Okay. And I'm going to sell his for 500. So. Wow. Wow. No. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Let's get into that for a second, because I think a lot of people, uh, especially with the advent of uh, Zillow getting out of the flipper market, which I think was a great idea, those idiots. Anyway, so you're you're kind of helping a, a, a seller of a property, fix their property up, sell it, and then find them another place in a different city, right? Absolutely. He has no, he's uh, kind of handicapped. His back is out. He's a teamster, old teamster. I've known him right. for 28 years, and he called me up, and uh, he has no money to do the when I came into the house, it was probably worth four hundred. Right. And now it's now it's back up to all the work I've done is probably back up to four ninety nine now because it was terrible. Right. So. Right. And so the the range based on the condition of the property can be as much as a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, because the kitchen was already done, but everything else was um, terrible. I mean, there's two inches of. Uh, of dust in every single window sill because he can't vacuum, he can't right. bend over. He's he's got two cats, so <laughs> um, he doesn't have the money. So I'm in, in it about twelve thousand right now myself. So new flooring, paint, nice. um, re- new vanity in the bathroom, doing all that stuff. So it looks great. So I got one room left, and we'll be ready to list and sell. Now, okay, so describing, not it's not really a flipper market, but you're doing the work of somebody who would be in the flipper market. Are you doing all this work by yourself, or are you uh, hiring uh, I got a little team. I got a team, so I got a floor guy, I got a painter, I got Great. everything. No, that's, that's really good. Now, um, there's 
I don't know if there, it's called a rumor, but the information I have about uh, people who do that kind of work is that they are in very, very high demand. How do you keep your team together? <laughs> yeah, it, uh, luckily the floor guy was in between jobs, right. and the contractor I got to do um, all the other stuff was right in between jobs. So it's a God thing because yep. um, he's been praying to get out of that place because he can't afford it, and then he found me, and so... God put everything together for all of us. So I'll put put a couple of people back to work, and timing's everything. No, that's no that it, you say that is absolutely true. And I think individuals uh, in the marketplace to do this kind of work is much better than corporate um, entities trying to come in and do mass. Uh, purchases and then mass fix up and either rent or flip. I don't know if you get a lot of that out in that area, do you? Um, it's hit and miss. So yeah, um, I have another. I have a property coming up in Napa. Um, he just got cancer of the eye, so his eye is losing sight, and he can't. He's a contractor, so he was one of my guys I went to all the time. So I'm actually going to do the same for him on his property in Napa, and he's moving to Kansas. So. I see. You, you know, when you're a contractor, there's a lot of things on your property that you don't fix because you're a contractor. That's what you do all day. Right. So the last I'll be thing doing you the want. Same thing for him. So. Right. No, I understand that. Okay, uh, describe the market in your market area. What's happening? Prices stabilized yet? Um, it's still com- very competitive for it's a seller's market still. So, um, the Sacramento area where I'm going to find my buddy a, a property up there it's a little different it's uh, a little softer but um properties are on the market for about 30 days up there so we still have some time to get him in the contract on that um napa area it's multiple offers still mm-hmm. um i mean people are moving from where i'm at right now san jose they're selling their house all cash and they're moving to napa and buying all cash so it's uh it's still hot up there san jose market's still pretty hot too this house will We'll get on the market, and it'll be probably uh, five days, maybe six days, and it'll be sold. Huh. Do you see more investment than you uh, normally would see by people either doing a cash-out refi or, as you said, selling and buying? Or is it all just uh, residential people moving from one place to another? So I think people are um, I think they're buying tangible assets right now. They're kind of iffy on what you know, cryptocurrencies and all the currencies right now. So they're taking that um, money and putting it into tangible assets like real estate. So I had a guy come by where I'm at right now. I have my sign in the window and I'm still remodeling. And he stopped by and said, hey, I have an investor that wants to buy all cash. So he's taking his money from somewhere else. He wants to buy that and probably rent it out is what he said. So um, I think tangible assets right now are a good thing. No, I agree, especially hmm, if you can get into something now, even if, even if the debt is a little high, if inflation keeps up the way it is, obviously you're going to be paying back less because the money's worth less, right? So if you fix your long-term debt today, you know, and, and inflation goes up another 5 6% next year, you're going to be paying that much less long-term. I mean, are you? Absolutely. Right, exactly. So, okay, uh, interest rates, where do you think we're going and do you think it will affect the real estate market as much as other people do? Um, right now, man, the interest rates are still extremely low. So, right. So I don't see it going up anytime soon. I remember when COVID hit, I'm like, oh, man, 
everything's going to do this and that, and it, that was all wrong, you know. Right. Prices went up, interest rates went down, so it's kind of, you know, I don't try to predict anything. It's I know that interest rates, if you could afford to buy something right now, the interest rates are so low that you need to buy it. You so, Right. Right. I, I 100% agree with that, and I, and I think I spent three segments of this show today talking about exactly that. Like, now is a great time because interest rates, look, interest rates went down the last week, even though yeah. paper started, even though we got issues, you know, uh, in, in federally, we have issues you know, locally, people not getting back to work. Yeah, but the uh, interest rates still went down. I mean, who, who knows? I mean, I don't. Absolutely. Yeah, okay, so... Uh, in your particular market, where do you think you will be uh, in terms of the real estate? Do you think that uh, we're going to see more properties on the market? I know that um, we'd like to see more because obviously the price is going up the way they have been. It's pretty hard to sustain, especially for a buyer, first-time home buyer. Um, and I don't know if you've got any idea about the building out there. But if it, uh, do you think people have been holding back on listings because it's that time of year? Or what do you think? Um, where I'm at, the market is, um, there, there's very few properties. So, um, like this guy that I'm selling for in Napa, he's, you know, two bedroom, one bath, and it's, you know, 1,100 square feet. It'll sell for 650, 675. That's so, amazing. Um, that's an unbelievable price. 1,100 feet, 675. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude. I, just the last, last month I sold a, a house that was 700 square feet, two bedroom, one bath for 625. Same area? Yeah, Napa area. Wow. Wow, I just had no idea. You know, it's so funny because I've been in one area for about 30 years. And really, you know, it's it, because real estate is so local, you're not really aware of what's going on in a, in a lot of other markets unless you really follow the micro. And in, in, that's why I have people like you come on the show, just to let me know what's happening in those areas. It's astounding to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, uh, we got about 30 seconds. Shout out how people can get in touch with you, uh, especially if they need a great loan officer and real estate agent. Oh, my name is Darren Woodworth. Uh, out of the Napa Valley area. My number is 408-425-7845. Excellent. Darren, thanks for coming on the show. As always, great information. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Okay, thank you very much. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton. We'll be right back with more in just a moment. For more information on today's topic, email Jeff Barton at info at malibufunding.net. Now, back to The Mortgage Voice with your host, Jeff Barton. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Thanks very much for listening to the show. We are on this station, and that's five of them all over the place. <laughs> We're from Albuquerque all the way up to Las Vegas, certainly in Tahoe, and down to Riverside and San Bernardino counties in Southern California. We bring variety and specialty to the show. People who know way more than I do about many different things, especially when it comes to loan products, different ideas about how lending should be done, and uh, one of those people who joins us who's been on the show before but i haven't heard from him in a while is eric morganson from angel oak uh eric how are you i am doing great jeff thanks for having me on thank you very much okay let's get right to it what are you offering how are you offering it give us some idea about what's happening at angel oak and how you're solving problems well at angel oak we do something um of the type of loan programs uh, residential financing that is known as non-agency some people in the business call it non-qm non-qualified mortgage loans that 
Um, uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac can't do these. You can't do them through VA. You can't uh, go to Wells Fargo, uh, B of A, Chase here. Um, uh, you, you can't um, do these loans via FHA either. It's Literally, it's just private capital. Um, uh, this is the beginning of literally lending money after the financial meltdown. And the, the true focus on these programs is for self-employed folks who literally take advantage of our, you know, 70,000-page tax code in this country. Right. Um, they're working their butts off. They, um, they're doing really well, but they get all these legitimate write-offs because they're creating jobs. Well, now it's time to go and, and buy that million-dollar house because they earned it, and, boy, they don't show enough income on their tax returns to qualify. Right. Uh, the, the second probably most popular program is um, uh, there's tens of thousands of um, rental properties where anybody that's listening to this right now, there's rental properties all over. And about a third of rental properties, um, the owners own them free and clear. Another third are financing them with a, a fairly low rate. Probably they, they got an owner-occupied rate, and then they upgrade the house. They moved out before their 30-year mortgage was paid off, and now they've turned it into a rental. Another third of all these properties are um, financed with what is known as hard money, or uh, now the term is called private money. It's a little <laughs> softer than hard money. And um, uh, hard money or private money is rates are in the nines. Their terms are normally a one- or a two-year balloon, and um, uh, the, uh, and it's, you know, anywhere from two to three points origination to get into that loan. Well, we have a solution um, uh, instead of going to a hard money lender who doesn't care about the ability to repay or doesn't document you have the income to repay a hard money loan because it's all collateral-based. They limit their LTV or loan-to-value to about 65%. Meaning I'm going to buy a $100,000 house, um, uh, they'll loan me up to 65000 or only 65% LTV. With these programs from Angel Oak, we'll go all the way up to 80% LTV. And again, we don't document any income. You leave the loan application blank as far as a borrower's income. We do require that they have at least a 640 FICO score in order to um, uh, buy an investment property up to 80% loan-to-value uh, based on the cash flow of the property. Right. No, that's excellent. Now, uh, how, that's kind of a new program, right? This uh Cash 80% the LTV? refers to it as a debt service coverage ratio. Right. Meaning if the, if the payment to Angel Oak is going to be $2,000, we'd want to see the house rent for at least $2,000 right. in order to qualify, just based on the rent roll. However, if your borrower, Jeff, has a credit score of 700 or higher, and the loan to value is 75% or lower, it doesn't matter if it doesn't debt service cover, we'd still fund that loan. Rates are in the fours, hard money, those rates are in the nines. Right. It's less than half. No, I'd say it makes total sense for anybody who's in that. Now, why, question, why would someone not want to do a loan with Angel Oak like that versus a hard money? Is there some advantage to just going hard money, or is it just they don't know about you? Um, a, a great question, and you nailed it. It's both. Right. They don't know these programs exist. And number two, if the property isn't at least in average condition, that's what we would need. The property at least being in average condition. I see. Um, a hard money lender can do a loan on a property that's, uh, let's say, half the house is burnt to the ground, but the land value is in a great location so they can, they can fund the loan uh, on a property like that. 
we want the property to be in average condition. Now, it's okay that the, the carpet's from the 70s, and if it's cosmetic, that's fine, we can do it. But if there's structural damage, water rot, and uh, wood rot all over, right. the property is in at least in average condition, you do not need a hard money lender. Also a hard money lender um, uh, for folks that um, uh, have impaired credit. We need at least a 645 score. Hard money lenders don't really care what your credit score is. Right, because they are, not only do you have a lot more money into the deal, but if you default, they just take the house. That's right. I, honestly, they kind of tend to hope you default, because right. what do they have? You, you know, they're, they're doing that loan at 50 to 60% LTV. They just got all that equity. Do you see conversions from some of your product to Fannie and Freddie products uh, with other companies? All the time. Yeah, all, all the, the time. time. These, right. these programs are a lot, for a lot of folks, they're simply a stepping stone. Right. So they, it buys the house today, and then um, uh, next year they're going to, you know, they don't have as many right for a self-employed borrower going bank statement. Um, next year, they, they're, they're not going to have all their write-offs, or their lost carry forwards is going to be used up, or they're... You know, they got a third business that is, you know, having a lot of losses. Hopefully they turn that around and they can go full talk. There's no prepay. So um, uh, the, these programs get people into a home today and start building equity. What are we in California? We're yep. hitting an 18% per year appreciation. That's very impressive. Why delay and wait two to three years until you qualify for a Fannie or Freddie loan um, uh, three years from now, how much is that house going to be worth? Goodness. Right. Right. No, I agree with that 100%. And plus, building equity, if you start today, in two or three years, you will have the equity in there. And that's, I think, the key to a lot of these loans is to realize that as the property value increases, your options to getting a loan, which is not necessarily a loan like this, but maybe going back to a conventional loan is a pretty good idea. Do do. Do you see that happening? Absolutely. You're right, exactly. Yep, absolutely. These, these rates are, are anywhere from a half to a point higher than an agency rate, sometimes depending on how high the LTV and how low the credit score. So, no, there's a lot of benefit to down the road refinancing into an agency, but who knows what agency rates are going to be doing in three years. But We don't know. As you know, 93% of American wealth, guess where it comes from? Home Real ownership yep. equity. No. Don't wait. The, the only mistake you can make in real estate is to not buy real estate. Right. No, I, absolutely. Especially if you're, you know, you're a family and you're planning to live there for a while. Building equity long term, uh, there is no better way. And I can I can point to many many people that I know personally who have gone f- 20 years working a hard job, but they paid off their mortgage. And they now have huge equity in their home that they're either enjoying by selling it and going somewhere else and buying cash and still having money in the bank or by staying here and having a legacy to leave to their uh, children. It's wonderful. It's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, I agree. Okay, we have about a minute and a half left. Uh, rates, what is driving your demand there? Is it more rate-driven or is it more, uh, um, in another way, uh, not rate-driven, i.e., they, they're business owners and they want to use the equity in their business, so they have to use your bank statement loans. Um, uh, what, what drives it is um, uh, got so many self-employed folks out there that um, make a lot of money, uh, and they, they're, they're getting legitimate write-offs, but they want to buy a two, three, four, five million dollar house, Jeff. Right. Now, think about it. Never in the history of, of the world or of America 
can you literally show, I don't know, $12,000 in, um, uh, in annual income to the IRS, turn around and buy a $3.5 million house at 90% loan-to-value, no mortgage insurance, no prepayment penalty, and qualify based on what you're depositing either in your business or in your personal bank account. Never before has this ever happened um, uh, with our current ATR regulation, meaning the ability, ability to, to repay. repay. So Spectacular. this is fairly new. Yep. I really appreciate your help getting the word out that these bank statement loans even exist. Right. Hey, shout out your number or a way by which people could ask you more questions. You got it. Eric Morganson, Angel Oak Morgan Solutions. I am at 949-554-5000. My number again, 949-554-5000. Eric, thank you once again, illuminating and elucidating everything uh, very clearly. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's Eric Morganson from Angel Oak. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton. We'll be right back with more in just a moment. For more information on today's topic, email Jeff Barton at info at malibufunding.net. Now, back to The Mortgage Voice with your host, Jeff Barton. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, We're on a number of different stations. We're on a number of different podcasts. And you can see us and hear us uh, all over the Internet. Jeff Barton, the mortgage voice. That's my uh, uh, YouTube handle. We've been uh, doing that for seven or eight years. I have a number of different shows. We get into a lot of what's happening in the mortgage market by what's happening in the world around us. Uh, we spent a couple of segments doing exactly that, and I'm going to continue it, too. Uh, let's let's just get a, a little bit more of news to use. The taper begins, as everyone knows. We talked about it earlier on the show. Uh, that's going to continue through next June, where we will probably see the ending of all the mortgage-backed security purchases, as well as the, the uh, treasuries. Uh, the new unemployment claims, lowest since the start of the pandemic. That's a good thing. Inflation running at about 5%, and that's not a good thing. But as I said earlier in the segment, we probably are going to see inflation in a number of different areas. Uh, one of the reasons for that, of course, is um, you know we got a supply chain issue, which really means stuff you need, you can't get. And um, uh, one of the curious things about the pandemic itself is, a lot more people ordered more stuff than they would have if there wasn't a pandemic. And so the factories around the world, specifically China, um, factories humming for the first year of COVID. And a lot of that stuff got put on ships. And those ships uh, are now sitting in most U.S. harbors, but not only U.S. harbors, but harbors around the world waiting to be offloaded. And it isn't because it's a, a, an, issue, an issue really with Workers, yes, we have a shortage of workers. Yes, we have a shortage of drivers. But really, it's because all the extra products that were were actually manufactured and made around the world. It's also caused a problem with getting uh, raw materials to those factories in order to keep um, producing goods. It's it kind of a, a backed-up problem. It's a problem that will probably... Mm, sort itself out through the middle of next year, and and you will see prices um, probably stabilize at that time. And uh, yes, they will be elevated from what they were today. The era of buying cheap stuff from China is probably mm, it's not over, but it it, it is in fact uh, going to be affecting how you buy what you're going to buy here because the prices are going to go up. They're going to have to go up. Uh, one of the curious things going on in China. 
everybody knows about uh, Evergrande and the property uh, um, building business that they have. I mean, they've bought, uh, built, uh, as has many of the property builders in China. Uh, there are, as we've discussed, let's say there's 52 that we're looking at, and uh, 40, 40 of them are in trouble with the bonds that they've been selling in order to fund the projects they've been funding. It is actually the engine of growth for the last 10 years in China. And as I've said earlier, I, along with Warren Buffett and Charles Munger, have thought and, and look at the way China has lifted their uh, poor from the poor ranks into the middle class ranks and the job they've done and the amazing job they've done, and I'm not the one saying it. This is these are those two guys, the Wizard of, uh, what is it? What was he called? The Wizard of uh, Betancourt, Arkansas. He's called that. that. Yeah, somewhere there. Somewhere in there, and Charles Munger, of course, being his partner. Berkshire Hathaway. Berkshire Hathaway, absolutely, and they're the company that, um, obviously, that that Charles and, uh, um, yeah, what's his name? Warren Buffett. Those two guys have said China has done an amazing job lifting their country out of poverty. But the problem with that is they have fueled this 10-year cycle of all of these companies building and building and building. Well, the debt that they are supposed to have been paying off has not been paying off. And a lot of these companies are going to go belly up. They just are. So what does that do? All the raw material. Think about this for a second. In order to fuel, and the scale of this is so large that you just can't imagine. Now, the U.S., let's look at the population here. What, 320 billion, a million rather, 320, 340 million people? China has 1.3 billion people. If they've lifted 100 million people out of poverty in the last 10 years, that is, would be one-third of the U.S. population. The numbers are so staggering but the raw materials it has needed in order to really build the kind of building that they're talking about, and they're talking about major new cities, developments, hundreds of millions of people living in homes that they didn't have 10 years ago. That raw material conveyor belt is going to slow down and stop. This is why the demand on materials is going to lessen. This is why inflation is going to lacken or lessen because the fueling of that expansion by the building industry, which is 25% of China and their economy, is going to end. And the need for those materials to be purchased at a higher price because the demand is so high is going to not be there. Because China is not going to be building this. This is why they're going from double-digit growth to single-digit growth. All because of this particular sector. Now, the downside is all of that may bleed into the U.S. economy and cause companies here to start tightening, i.e. the lending business. So if you're thinking about, oh, this doesn't really affect you, it does affect you. But it affects you in two different ways. Talked about it last week in the show. It's going to lessen the inflation. That's a good thing because prices won't keep going up. But the bad thing is it's also going to drive U.S. companies to stop lending at their current rate, meaning they're going to tighten their restrictions because they're going to be worried that the debt load that China has will bleed into the U.S. Now, drift back to 2008, okay? If, if you're too young and you don't remember, it almost ended the world economy, 2008. And why? Because... 
speculation in U.S. real estate fueled by free money and crooked mortgage brokers, at least that's what they want to lead you to believe. But yeah, there was some of that. But everybody was in on the on the the whole scheme of making mortgages easy for anybody to purchase. Anybody to purchase a home or get a refi, you could do it. And that in turn fueled the speculation which caused the US mortgage meltdown in 2008, 2007. Same thing's happening here. The thing that is, is different a little bit about this time in China versus the U.S. is that this speculation was due to the fact that in China there had been such a conversion of an agrarian population to an urban population that they thought it would never end. Well, it has ended. I guess you could say it was similar in that both were speculating but what happens in China with their speculation and the fact that they're, tr I mean, it's, it's a huge number in terms of what they're not able to now pay back in terms of the money they borrowed. So in the sector, which is the real estate sector, which builds in China, they are now issuing bonds, corporate bonds, at 23% a year. Think about that, getting 23% on your money per year. Now, as a as a way by which I can give you a taste over what the example is, back in 07 and 08, Ford Motor Company, which almost went under, and if you remember at that time, uh, there was a bailout of the auto industry by whoever was in power at the time. I think it was the Obama administration. The Ford Motor Company was selling 18 to 20% bonds. Now, this is the Ford Motor Company selling cars. These real estate development companies, builders in China selling, the, the entire sector is selling 23% bonds. So that tells you the level of risk that is happening. Now, the government had to bail out the auto industry, but China has specifically said to these people, like Jack Ma, who is Alibaba, hey, you pay for your own bonds. We're not bailing you out. So what happens if the default happens with these dollar bonds or these bonds in China with the real estate sector? It's going to cause a ripple effect worldwide. It's predicted that $1 trillion of the world economy won't be there next year because of this. And that's going to cause U.S. lenders to tighten their own, uh, their own requirements on lending, especially in the commercial sector, which bleeds everywhere. Hey. This is the what's happening, and these are some of the things you need to pay attention to. So if you're out there looking and uh, thinking that the, the, this rate, the low rates are going to last forever, they're not. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Appreciate you listening today. We'll see you next time. You're listening to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton. For more on today's topic, visit www.malibufunding.net.